Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining me for Market View on Your Money with me, Ryan Huang. Michelle's still away. We'll hope to catch up with her next week. Let's catch you up first with what's happening across the region when it comes to markets. And so far, we've got markets off to a subdued start. And this is despite US equities giving a positive handover, extending their rally for a second straight day. So sentiment there lifted by a solid start to the corporate's earnings season, led by the likes of Netflix and Goldman Sachs. Looking across the region, we've got Korean markets above break-even by 0.3%. Bear in mind, they closed at a four-week high yesterday. Japanese markets in the green right now by 0.6%, and Australia up by 0.4%. So, building on yesterday's gains. So broadly optimistic for what's happening in Singapore, uh, which broke an eight-day losing streak yesterday. So that could be in store for the rest of the day as we expect some gains to also filter through to the STI. And among the stocks to look out for back home, we've got Cromwell European Real Estate Investment Trust, Cromwell European REIT. It is in the news for acquiring a freehold five-building light industrial complex in Copenhagen for $22.3 million. The acquisition is a 7% discount to the asset's independent valuation and the REIT's manager does not expect the transaction to have a material effect on its net tangible assets. Cromwell E-REIT last closed 1.9% higher at 1.59 euros on Tuesday after the announcement. And looking at the property news back home, you might be familiar with this condo if you've been to Changing Village on the way there, a condo with a red brick facade. Luoyang Valley Condominium in Changni is up for on-block sale with a reserve price of $980 million. So this is the first time it's going to be on the market. It last tried to do so in an attempt in 2018 at a reserve price of $750 million. But it failed to garner sufficient support to go past 80% level for voting. So that did not go through. But now it has. And this $980 million price tag will translate to a price of $997 per square foot per plot ratio. And it has 59 years left on its lease. So at that price tag of $980 million, an owner of a two-bedroom unit there will stand to receive about $1.86 million on average. Someone who owns a three-bedder could, could get about $2.7 million each. And four-bedroom apartments there stand to pocket about $4.35 million each. So this really, well, I connect with the news because I used to live there almost 40 years ago. So something um, that is in the news on the property front. And overnight on Wall Street, we talked about that second straight day of gains for U.S. stocks and investors celebrating another batch of robust corporate earnings reports. That saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average finish higher by 1.1% at 30,524. The S&P 500 also up by 1.1% at 3,720. And the Nasdaq Composite up 0.9% at 10,772. And a lot of attention on earnings. 46 of the S&P 500 companies have reported their third quarter results so far. And so far, so good. 70% of them have beaten profit estimates. 
63% have beaten revenue estimates. And looking at some of the action that has filtered through, that is seeing some its appetite returning. And the yield on the 10-year Treasury note dropping 1.6 basis points to 3.996% as bond prices went up. Uh, so looking at some of the notable movers, Goldman Sachs uh, shares rose 2.3% after the bank reported that its third quarter earnings and revenue targets were beaten and it also confirmed a reorganization plan. Goldman will again reorganize, dividing the bank into three operating segments, asset and wealth management, global banking and markets, as well as platform solutions. Salesforce jumped 4.3% on reports that Active's investor Starbot Value had taken a significant stake in the software company. Lockheed Martin shares rose 8.7% after its earnings beat expectations but fell short on revenue expectations. And this as it added $14 billion to share buyback authorization and it expects to execute a $4 billion accelerated share buyback program in the fourth quarter. Eli Lidi in the news as it enters into an agreement to acquire Aquos, a company developing a portfolio of viral gene therapies for the treatment of inner ear conditions, including hearing loss. And this is for the price up to $610 million in cash. Aquos shares jumped 89%, while Eli Lilly shares rose 0.7%. Microsoft shares rose 0.4%. With um, news reportedly that it plans to cut nearly 1,000 jobs. And of course, we talked about this earlier on. Netflix shares jumped more than 14% in extended trading after reporting an addition of 2.4 million subscribers, reversing its recent slump where in the first half of the year, it lost 1.2 million subscribers. And let's unpack it with Dan Cole, who's with me in the studio. Netflix... Then hey, what do morning, you Ryan. take away from the latest results? So, based on the latest results, we noticed that Netflix shares had skyrocketed more than 14% after the bell today as the company posted better than expected results on the top and bottom lines. Mm-hmm. Now, for the third quarter, Netflix topped analyst projections with a revenue of $7.9 billion, which is up 6% from a year earlier. Earnings were at $3.10 per share. So, what do you think contributed to this surprising performance? Are you much of a Netflix viewer, Ned, then? I am quite, actually. Like, recent days, I've been, been watching... watching? I've been watching uh, Dharma the Monster. Ah, yeah. okay. That's been one of the big hits on Netflix. And I think other hits that have also helped to attract viewers include the Korean drama Extraordinary Lawyer, Wu Yung Wu, and also Stranger Things. These sort of hits have been attracting viewers much more than expected. So we are looking at 2.4 million in this quarter and they are expecting another blockbuster fourth quarter to the tune of over 4.5 million subscribers. So that's great news. Um, So we are looking at Netflix with revenue of 7.9 billion. That's up nearly 6% from a year earlier. Earnings around $3.10 per share. And if you look at what's coming up, you also have potential revenue streams, new revenue streams in the form of the ad model um, business where it is saying there is going to be a tier where you can pay to have ads shown to you. So this in the US being launched is at six ninety nine per month and this is in contrast to the popular plan of $15, around $15. So that's going to be something that could also add to its revenue stream if more people jump on board this model. Uh, also worth noting is the takeaways from 
the messaging coming up from the earnings season or the earnings report, where it is saying shareholders should be focusing more on its revenue and profit rather than how many subscribers it adds or loses because that is a more important metric of sorts because if you look at what they are saying, they are saying they are making opting profit of $5 billion. That is in contrast to many other streaming providers who have been making losses. So I think that is what they want to really paint, that they are profitable and they are growing. So don't just focus on the ups and downs of the subscriber numbers. Right. But how do you like you know being interrupted in the middle of your show with advertising? Okay, for the right price, I would pay. Maybe if they gave me a free Netflix subscription, I don't mind sitting through a few, <laughs> uh, a few advertisements. But I think the key here is to make it engaging, right? You've seen a few advertisements which you don't mind watching. So I think if they curate the right level of quality for advertisements, which can give it an overall, I guess, satisfactory experience, most people wouldn't mind. Okay, so now, now let's turn our attention to Johnson & Johnson, which also posted another surprising earnings result mm. yet last night, and they overcame another quarter of inflationary pressure last night as the pharmaceutical business overcome expectations. So reported sales growth of 1.9% to $23.8 billion, with operational growth of 8.1%. Now, earnings per share were at $2.55, and these beat expectations of $2.48 per share. So what exactly went right for the company? Yeah, you've got the health sector typically quite resilient. And this is, of course, amidst the backdrop of COVID-19. And it's got many engines firing for it. And of course, uh, it has been going through very familiar challenges when we talk about what's happening in the business landscape. All the cost pressures from wages, raw materials supply chain disruptions. So all that has been playing out. But despite all that issue, all those issues, it still managed to be rather resilient. Uh, but I think it is a bit more cautious going forward. And that's why it has announced some job cuts. So that's something to keep in mind because of all the cost pressures that could continue to emerge. And of course, challenges from economies slowing down. So the US healthcare group says it's looking to right-size itself as it also tries to restructure from being a three-division company to a two-division one. So there is some restructuring going on. So that's something they'll be reviewing as they try to well, right the ship in that sense to the right size. Do you think that contributed to its slump in the stock price overnight? I think it could be one of the reasons, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction in terms of the stock price. So Johnson & Johnson, if you look at the stock price right now, uh, that saw a bit of a dip of 0.35% overnight. And if you look at the stock price year-to-date, it is down 3.2%. Over the past year, it's up 1.3%. So it's been rather, I guess, steady over the past year. But it has slumped about 9% in the past six months. So that's something to consider if you are looking at Johnson & Johnson. Okay, so now let's take a broader look at the overall market. Because according to the data from Factsheet, of the 9.15% of the S&P 500 companies that have reported earnings so far this season... 
70% of them have posted positive surprises. Earning expectations have been generally lowered considerably and the market is braced for a good amount of negative news in the earnings season. But what does this tell you about how companies are faring so far as worries grows about you know, persistent inflation and potential recession? Yeah, if you look at the earnings commentary in the past few days and a week or so, uh, we've seen very familiar trends playing out. They've been talking about inflation, cost pressures. Uh, some, interestingly, have talked about being able to pass on higher costs, the likes of PepsiCo. Um, despite a drop in volumes, pretty much a sign that people are buying less, they have managed to hike prices and people have been paying for that. So that's a sign, perhaps, that people are able to absorb some of these higher prices but it's also worth noting the shift in consumer patterns where consumers in the US at least appear to be shifting away from higher margin items like laptops devices like smartphones so these electronic devices are not going to be um, as in demand as in the past few years and that's one reason why we have been seeing a bit of a slump in the semiconductor space when it comes to stocks on the flip side, you've got these like these companies like PepsiCo doing well. Going back to your question, is this going to be sustainable with this rally? There's been a lot of talk about how this is a bear market rally, uh, which is ha- which happens when you have a market on a downtrend. There are it doesn't go in a straight line down. It will go up and down. And I think this is where a lot of market watchers are saying, "Hey, this could be what's called a dead cat bounce, where it's not." really sustainable. It's just going to go back down the way it was. And bear in mind, the S&P 500 is down 25% year to date. So you have a lot of reasons, more reasons actually, to go down than to go up right now. So you have the drivers of growth, for example, China, its economy, still under a lot of pressure when it comes to what's happening with COVID-19. It has not pivoted away from its COVID zero strategy as what some were hoping that would be the case with its uh, National Congress. The speech by Xi Jinping over the weekend did not outline any changes to on that front. Uh, also, if you look at the data out from China, we are not getting any data out from China this week because it has postponed those releases, no date set for it. So there is a lack of clarity when it comes to China right now in terms of growth trajectory and projections. So it's something that is going to lend a lot of uncertainty to the markets. But there could be some bright spots of hope when it comes to earnings. So the likes of Netflix, for example, is lending some comfort to investors when it comes to the tech sector, reporting better than expected numbers. Goldman Sachs also has been reporting some pretty decent numbers. Uh, They have managed to squeeze out some gains when it comes to their earnings, uh, topping third quarter revenue and profits and this is of course amidst a reorganization plan and i think if we look at the earnings out tonight tesla will be another one to watch out for that could just steal market sentiment if they have a positive view on the supply chain for example and the headwinds from the stronger us dollar so that will be the key factors to watch out for i think in the earnings season All right. Thank you so much, Ryan, for the great market analysis. And that's all we have for today. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.